0: Welcome back to Infinite Rabbit Hole News where we bring you the latest news around the world in the realm of the strange, unknown, cryptozoological and downright out of this world. I'm Jake, your host, and I'm joined today by Jeremy and our newest host to the Infinite Rabbit Hole podcast, Jeff from the Shadow Band podcast. Gentlemen, how is it going today? Oh, we're doing good, man. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. I'm excited. So excited. Infinite Rabbit Hole news. But before we get into that, Jeff, welcome to Infinite Rabbit Hole. Tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> I want to know who you are. I am a human. I am currently
1: speaking into a microphone on the Infinite Rabbit Hole podcast. No, I'm actually the host of Shadow Band podcast. I've uh, been friends with these guys for a while now. I've been on this podcast they've been on my podcast and now we are here together and i am part of the infinite rabbit hole podcast
0: i've infiltrated you guys you guys have been infiltrated Mm -hmm. absolutely and we're we're happy to be infiltrated so we do a lot of messing around with other people's podcasts so for those people that haven't listened to your podcast shadow band what are you bringing to the table for Infinite Rabbit Hole? What are your sort of interests and things that you're going to be choosing for topics that we can really engage people with? Yeah,
1: um well, I'm usually known as the conspiracy guy. Um, you know, I'm deep in the rabbit hole with the conspiracies, but I also delve a lot into like, <clears throat> you know, ancient mysteries, lost civilizations, uh things like that. So I want to talk a lot about that kind of stuff. I want to bring some of the you know the space stuff as well because on my Mm -hmm. podcast i'm kind of uh space is fake conspiracy (laughs) but you know i do uh want to talk about some of that and some of the
0: technologies that are coming out that kind of thing very cool very cool well we're very excited to get into some of those topics with you hold on i got i got
2: a couple questions for jeff before we move on so jeff one thing that I know a lot of our listeners are going to be very, very concerned about because we just, you know, said goodbye to CJ and now we're saying hello to you. We lost a huge, huge aspect of the show, which is smart assery, right? Do you think you could fill that role or you can be able to be a smart ass?
1: I don't know if I can live up to CJ's standards, but uh, or Andrew's standards for that matter. But yeah, well, Andrew's. Andrew's not gone yet, and I'm not
2: saying that he's he's going to be gone. Andrew's in limbo right now. I don't necessarily know exactly which route he's going to go. Him and him and CJ are are very very good friends. Uh, actually, uh, Andrew got pulled into this whole project because of CJ. You know, thank you CJ for helping us out with that. Um, but he's he's making his decision right now whether or not he wants to stick with the show or not. And of course, I'm going to leave the door open for him. Jeff, uh, I just want to say thank you for stepping in, man. Uh, I honestly couldn't pick anybody better. I'm really, really excited on what you're going to bring. I know you're a nutbag. I know that you you have all this this strange views on things that you have a lot of solid evidence for, and you're going to be able to blow some people's minds, and I just can't wait. And I'm, I'm really excited.
1: I hope so, man. I appreciate you guys bringing me on, and uh, I hope to live up to the expectations. And for those of you that don't know
2: Jeff, uh, he was the guest that we had on for the Project Bluebeam, which was the season two finale of the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Uh, if you haven't listened to that yet, please go check it out. You'll get a good taste of what Jeff is actually about and what he's going to bring to the table uh, in the seasons to come. That was a fun episode. It was a blast. We went deep. We did. Did
1: you guys we get did. flagged for that episode somewhere?
2: We did. We actually got, we got Mission accomplished. our Facebook shutdown. <laughs> Jeff has this habit of constantly being in Facebook jail over conspiracy theory shit.
1: Yeah, and, uh, they banned my TikTok um, the first day. that The first live video, now my TikTok is completely banned. It's gone forever. So there it is. <laughs> Very terrible. nice. That's that's
2: a little taste of what Jeff's going to bring to the infinite rabbit holes. Uh, He's very open minded.
0: We might not make it to season five. We'll see. (laughs) This is the downfall. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be good, guys. I
1: promise.
0: Don't do that. That was sarcastic. All right. Well let's get into this starting us off today we have jeremy coming at us with some cryptozoological news jeremy let us have it oh i'm gonna give it to you you ready i'm so ready to get
2: get got <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna infiltrate you like jeff
0: infiltrated us mm, don't get me excited i hope it's just my ear holes
2: it won't be just your <laughs> holes it'll be everything
0: All blow right. your fucking
2: mind you ready Woo! ready <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, for my for my first little bit of news on cryptozoology, because that is my jam. Uh, we'll just talk about the Loch Ness Monster. So on July 30th, a man known as Mr. Vcock witnessed what he believed to be the one and only Loch Ness Monster. Mr. V claimed that he was parked in a parking lot just north of the castle. I don't know what that means, but apparently there's a castle there. Uh, I haven't done a lot of research into Loch Ness monsters, so forgive me if you're listening to this and calling me a complete idiot. Thank you. Uh, where he was glassing over the lock with his binoculars. What he eventually spotted was a creature that was holding its head out of the water at what he believed to be about two feet above the water. As the creature traveled past the Jacobite Warrior, a boat for giving cruises around the lock, he was able to determine that the length of the body was approximately 10 feet long. This sighting is paired with another reported sighting by a man and his daughter that were hiking on the trail that follows the coast of the Loch only eleven days prior. What is interesting about this particular uh, set of of sightings about the, the Loch Ness Monster is that normally there's you know a small handful of sightings every year, and every year at least there is a sighting somebody reports uh, of of seeing the Loch Ness Monster. But these happen so close together and we don't normally get that. This happened 11 days uh, in between each other. And so people are kind of standing by to see if this is kind of the beginning of an uptick in in sightings or is this just an outlier? So that's pretty much it for the Loch Ness Monster from our brethren in the UK.
1: Right. That's awesome. Hmm. Yeah. I got some insight on that castle possibly. Ooh, what do you got, man? Well, Aleister Crowley lived on Loch Ness for a time. Jeez. Oh, so it's possible that he—it's the manor—is it maybe the manor is the castle? I don't know, but you know, people have blamed him for summoning Loch Ness. So spooky, exactly. <laughs> so
2: if you're listening to this and you know a castle, let us know. Go over to our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Let us know a little bit about this castle. By the way, you can do that at facebook.com forward slash infinite rabbit hole or Instagram and Twitter at infinite RH pod. Anyway, so let's moving forward. This is the one I'm a little bit more excited about. Not a a huge fan of Lake Monsters. I like them. They're cool, but I'm a Bigfoot guy and everybody knows that, right? So let's talk. Let's talk about Bigfoot in West Virginia. Love it. The people of Bluefield, West Virginia are very aware of the strange sounds that come down from the holler at night. Foxes, owls, and insects of many kinds create a familiar cacophony of strange sounds. But over the past couple of months, there has been another more terrifying sound that overpowers all the rest. A deep and guttural and almost human-like scream coming from the tops of the hills is immediately responded by another in the other direction. The strange noise has been a regular occurrence every few nights since May and has the locals, even the old-timers, stumped. An anonymous resident of the area recorded the sound with her phone and submitted the sounds to the Bigfoot Researchers Organization, a.k.a. the BFRO, and the Rocky Mountain Sasquatch Organization, after recognizing the scream on the show Expedition Bigfoot. She has received responses from both entities agreeing that what she is hearing is the communications between individual squatches. So, I've known for a long time that West Virginia is Squatchy, as is... Basically, the, the entire Appalachian area and the hot spot on the East Coast is Pennsylvania, Virginia, West Virginia, and a little bit down into North Carolina, Tennessee. Um, not, it's, it doesn't rival the West Coast at all when you're talking about California, Oregon and, and Washington. Those states just blow everything away. But we've really started seeing this uptick in Bigfoot activity in the Appalachian states. Uh, Mm -hmm. This just goes to show this this article I got out of the Register Herald from Beckley, West Virginia, and was literally six hours old when I found it uh, at noon today. Mm. So that just goes to show that there is some very active going uh, active stuff that's current right now in the Bigfoot world in the Appalachians.
1: Can we insert that audio that she has in this episode somehow? Ooh, I is don't know. I'd have to audio? look for it. Can we is that even something we can
2: I, I don't know. I mean she did stay anonymous, so I don't know. I don't know. I can I can cruise through the BFRO and the Rocky Mountain Sasquatch Organization website a little bit later and see if I can find it. And if I can find a downloaded version of it, then yeah, absolutely.
1: Oh interesting. I'm gonna Very play that cool. on speakers outside in the woods, see if I can attract one.
2: You gotta remember that the uh you know the variations of Bigfoot, you have what is a little bit different than what's in the Appalachians, my friend. So mm-hmm. I don't know if if that that might be like like blowing Russian through through the speakers, you know, <laughs> to a whole bunch of English people.
1: Uh, well, hey, yeah, it you might, might piss them off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Those commies from the north, <laughs> get them. <laughs> That's a bad idea. Don't send me the audio. <laughs> Kill them. <laughs>
0: <Kill> <laughs> so I wonder if, because I mean, when I was doing research for that dinky creek area i don't know if our listeners know this but i went on this that camping trip and i found my very first uh big footprint and there was just activity all night there was tree knocks all around our 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 camp there was 11 adults and every single one of them heard it uh there was screams the first night from way off I mean, it was crazy activity and it wasn't like a mountain lion scream. We actually had that the first, uh, the first morning that we, you know, we spent the night and my brother actually woke up because he heard a mountain lion screaming across this little meadow. And so he went out there with his firearm to, uh, to look, to see how close it was to us. And it passed by, um, probably around 50 yards away, but so it wasn't that it was legit like deep guttural screaming out in the woods and we were far away from anyone else this isn't like a pay for campsite or a trailer park sort of a situation this is a you go and you find your spot and you're a mile away from the next spot and you're next to the creek and it's like very squatchy area in northern california and so i know that there's that activity going on and i wonder if all this ramp up of activity has to do with you know the pandemic and how people are staying inside and they're not out exploring Ooh. you think that it's giving you know say it's a small population of of sasquatch in certain areas it's giving them more leeway to be out and be more active during you know all hours of the day and the night because they're not running into as many people
2: that's a very interesting point of view on this whole thing mm. Because there has been quite, quite the ramp up of, of Bigfoot activity as Mm -hmm. of lately. It is very interesting. Very interesting. Um, uh, Two things real quick, Jake. Mm -hmm. One, did you share that picture on our, on the Instagram? No, but I certainly should. You should definitely. Uh, And uh, can you send it to me again too, so I can post it on Twitter and Facebook? Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, Post it to the, to the group chat. I don't, Jeff, have you seen it yet? I don't think so. Yeah, post it to the, to the okay. chat, too. Uh, second thing I have to ask, Jake, would you mind stepping back from the microphone and giving us your best Bigfoot screen? <laughs> I, I want to hear what this thing sounded like. Give it to us, dude.
0: Come on, do it. Stepping back from the microphone. It's for the fans. It's for the fans. Geez, it's, it, it's gonna be my my ending once someone that actually knows what they're talking about hears yep. this crap.
1: <laughs> Channel your inner Bigfoot, right. dude.
0: Can you hear me out here? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So it wasn't it wasn't a mountain lion scream. It wasn't some like high pitched woman screaming like they say that it sounds like. It what definitely wasn't a a bigger like a deer or an elk sort of a, a noise. It was deep. I don't think in my capacity at 170 pounds that I can make the noise that I heard because it was think of like, if you were like, "Ah." like if you were trying to get someone's attention, right. And you know, like I could say something, but they're not going to understand what I'm saying. So I'm just going to like, Like that, just try to <laughs> scream and get their attention. But put it way down deep and add a lot of throat to it. Like, it was crazy Is that what it sounded like, though? Yeah, it was way really? out there, but it was super deep. Like like, like, like... like that? Like, if you had a massive flu and you were like... Like that, and you had a really deep voice. Like, I can't describe... I can't replicate the sound of this... But it was long and it was drawn out. So like a full breath, like 45 second ah, out there, out in the woods. And then it happened again and then it happened again. Like it was crazy. So were they responding to each other? No, it was just one. It was one. It was the same direction, same sound. So unless there was two of them that were right next to each other, but it was just like because you have to. I don't know. It's kind of difficult because you like humans, we have so many different variations of what our voice can sound like. Of, so, of course, it it's cultural and it's where you grew up and what your accent sounds like and all those different things, but high pitches and low pitches and all these different things. I'm mm-hmm. curious if there's that in the animal kingdom. Like, can they distinguish, say, if they had a, a herd of elk, if they could distinguish one elk from another based off the pitch of its voice? Oh, yeah. 100%. Or if they're just so much mm-hmm. so similar, Right. Or if it's that a majority of them are so similar that they all just sound the same. So, yeah, I think they go more off scent. Well, I mean, that's
2: that when you're talking about an agulet, like a like an elk, I think that that, that's mostly scent
0: based. But I don't know, a primate might. Oh, no, I mean, like maybe uh, like researchers, if they're like following a particular elk (gasps) and they're like tracking that one, can they sound can they hear the difference in a group of them? Can they hear that one specifically if they listen to it over and over and over again? Or is it just that they sound the same because they are they don't uh, mix like we do, right? Mm. All these different people from all these different areas, and we all mix together. We uh, have our interracial couples, and we're just copies and copies and copies and copies, and we're spread out. And I mean, like me and a lot of the people I know, I'm just a mutt, right, as far mm-hmm. as a person goes. I know very few people that are like generationally from the exact same spot, right? So, a pure bead, right? So, we're all you kind of mixed in together. And so, we have all those different variations in the tones of our voices and what we sound like, and all these different things. But I wonder if, like, it could have been two Sasquatch, as far as I know, because they could all sound the same from this group or from this Mm -hmm. specific type of Bigfoot. Um, but it did sound like it was just one, just yelling and yelling and yelling and waiting for a response. Maybe. I don't know. I don't necessarily, I haven't looked into it enough to know why they do that, you know, whether it's communication or it's a fear tactic or whatever it may be. But the wood knocking, that one was crazy because that one was all over the place. It was about six different directions and it would just be whap, whap, whap. And then from the other side Bow, 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 and then going back and forth. It wasn't always three, sometimes it was two, sometimes it was one. And that was a different sound from like it's really dead up there, and tree branches break off the trees. And you can hear that pop when they snap off the trees, and you can hear the thud when they hit the ground because it's all covered with leaves and stuff, right? That's why that's why California goes up and just burns like nobody's business all the time. We have the Dixie fire right now is because there's just no rain, so all these dead, brittle trees, and when it falls, there's not a tremendous effort in cleaning up all the underbrush and the the fallen pine needles and all that stuff. So when it, they fall, they smash into everything that's on the ground. You can hear that distinct pop and then the crash. So that's you can be like, oh, that was a big tree limb that just snapped off a tree versus sounding like a baseball bat just slamming against a trunk. And it has that kind of hollow, hollow sound as it's just dunk, dunk, dunk from however far away it is. But it was crazy activity. But yeah, it starts to stir up those sorts of you know thoughts for me of like you know do you think that it's ramping up like that? Because I didn't expect to go up there and see that or hear that. I expected to go up there do some trout fishing in Dinky Creek, which the water level is really low and the fish weren't really active right there. I did not expect to see a footprint. I didn't expect to hear screams, tree knocks. It was like, it blew my mind. Um, so it was, it was very, very cool. But it's just like, do you think that it's all happening more and more and more because less people are outside? You know, they're all inside. Even if it is like, you know, say not out in their communities, they're just not traveling. They're not going, you know, a lot of national parks were actually closed down for the the pandemic because the employees had to go home. And if they can't maintain stuff, they just lock the fence, you know? <clears throat> so at least here in California, they were all closed down. So you couldn't get into those places. You couldn't drive up on the roads. Sure, you could hike in places where it's not fenced in, obviously, but you can't drive your car in there because the employees are gone. So they locked the gates and they said, you can't go there. So if they have millions of acres of free roaming area and the people are all gone, you know, why not? You know, now that people are getting more active and out and about, we're getting all these sightings coming in all of a sudden where they're just like, hey, I saw a Bigfoot. I heard a Bigfoot. I saw this. I saw that. It's just like, well, that makes sense because they're used to us for the last, what, 16 months not being out there? Hmm. You know, Um, I mean, we had a deer walk within 30 yards of us. And I'm talking like it was it was an eight point buck. And so hunting legal size. Two weeks before archery season starts, and we were out there shooting my rifle, and it walked 30 yards behind us. We turned around, we're like, All right, cool, that was fun. Ammo's expensive, we're done. Turn around, and there's a freaking deer 30 yards away from us, just staring at us, like, Oh, hey guys. And then just casually walks off. Like, because last hunting season was canned, not only because of the pandemic, but also because of the fires that were ripping through California through Shaver Lake. That whole area is just like a burnt matchbox. It's done. All the animals pushed up north, 20 minutes north into Dinky Creek where the fire stopped uh, or where it was put out. And those animals miss an entire hunting season. So not only are there more game tags being sold this year to make up for the deer population from last year that wasn't harvested, but also those animals have lost that fear because usually about now... You can't, you have to actually look for them. It's hunting. It's not sit around and wait for one. You got to go find them because they're like, oh, I know what type, what time of the season it is. And they just roll out, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. their understanding is of hunting. They kind of figure around this time, they just push deeper into those woods, but this guy was right up on us. And then we saw another one, uh, the first morning that was right across, uh, right across in this open field, just hanging out. Again, a decent sized buck that was total like, you know, uh, you could take it for the uh, the deer season. So it's just like, I think that these animals have just gotten used to the fact that there haven't been any people out there. And whatever intelligence level the Bigfoot might have, it could be in that same category of, well, there's no people. I'm free to do whatever I want and go wherever I want. No one's going to find me. No one. uh, These people aren't interacting with me. We're not, you know, we're not coming across each other. You know, and so they're just out and about doing their thing. And now that people are coming back into those areas, we're seeing all these sightings and all these, you know, craziness is is ramping up because they're not hidden. You know, they're not actively avoiding us. Hmm. I think that has a lot to do with it.
2: So, man, it just makes me think, what if you were the lesser of two evils for that thing? What if there was a Bigfoot 100 yards away from that thing? And that thing was like, I'm just going to be over here.
0: Be over here by this person shooting this gun. Yeah.
2: <laughs> this is safer. So Jeff being the new guy and we haven't really dove into what your feelings are on cryptids and Bigfoot and stuff. I know you're mostly a conspiracy theorist and that's the kind of the world that you live in. What are you where's your stance on cryptids and Bigfoot in particular? We'll go
1: Bigfoot. <clears throat> Bigfoot in particular. So part of me has no problem believing that there's you know uh bigfoot out there I mean there's plenty of untouched land, you know what I mean there's plenty of places that mm-hmm. even though we've been there, we don't go there. you know people don't just go traveling through deep parts of the forest, you know what I mean all the time so i I can see a breeding population of some intelligent creatures being out there for sure, and then there's another part of me that wonders. If the if it's tied to uh, like UFOs or alien stuff, you know, in the conspiracy world, some people connect the two dots. And so, I don't know. Part of me thinks it's an it's a creature, it's an animal, and part of me thinks that maybe it's not even from here. Could be the aliens and the UFOs.
2: Hmm. There's a lot of really good books on that. If you ever want some uh, recommendations, I gotcha. Um, so, but you're in believing that it.
1: Very well, could exist. Oh yeah, I have no problem believing that at all. But again, you're talking to a conspiracy theorist, so I, I got no problem yeah. believing anything. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you, we were, I was right. on uh you, the episode, or you're on my show doing the cryptid one, I believe. And I got mm-hmm. spooked because I thought there was a swamp ape outside. I had to shut the episode. Remember, it was the end of the episode. I had to yeah, shut that it was, down. That was, I was that like, oh, I gotta go. The lights came on. Like, <laughs> I. So yeah, I think yeah, that was awesome.
2: Hey, everybody, bear with us while we take this quick
1: break. What's up, everybody? This is Jeff from the Shadow Band Podcast, where we challenge conventional thoughts and overruling dogmas from ancient discoveries tucked away by the Smithsonian to modern genetic manipulation carried out and funded by the world's elite ruling class. Nothing is too taboo as we search for lost, hidden, and suppressed truths about the nature of our reality. Find the Band Podcast on all platforms or visit shadowbandpodcast.com to join in on the fun. Now, back to the Infinite Rabbit Hole Podcast.
2: Right on. Right on. All right. Well, I think that that's all I have for uh, cryptozoological news for this episode. So, Jake, go ahead.
0: Take it away, man. Back yeah, so... I have a couple. I have one for science, a scientific discovery, and another one for UFOs, actually. So here we go. So most people know that uh, water is a great conductor of electricity. And if you didn't know that, well, now you know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) However, (laughs) I mean, they don't... uh, I would have if you didn't know that. Now Don't going forward, ideas. I would avoid splashing in puddles during lightning storms. It's just not a good idea. Are so um,
2: saying I can't wash my toaster in the tub? Do not I mean, do that. You
0: can do Absolutely whatever you want not, to, but Infinite Record do Hole do doesn't that. condone that behavior, right? <laughs> um, so, but it's only really unfiltered water because unfiltered water. So, like if you pulled it out of a lake or whatever, it has uh salts inside of the um, the molecules of water and what the salts do is it allows the electrons inside of the water the negatively charged electrons to kind of flow through the molecules and thus it allows that conducting of electricity but filtered water or pure water doesn't have those salts and those impurities in it So the negatively charged electrons kind of stay bound to their uh, specific atoms. So they don't flow around in the molecules and it doesn't, it's not a good conductor of electricity. Hmm. But on July 28th, so that's the science behind it. I found that out today. I was like, okay, well, interesting. I had no idea. So on July 28th, there was a group of scientists. Um, They were led by a man named Pavel Jugworth. And he's a physical, a physical chemist in the Czech Academy of Sciences in Prague. And he found out and his group found out that if you apply a tremendous amount of pressure, it's like 15 atmospheres, which is like 200 million PSI to a droplet of pure water. You have a chance of turning it into metal. What? yeah kind of like uh kind of like those old old timey experiments where they're trying to turn lead into gold and stuff like that like they they kind of had this theory that if you applied a tremendous amount of pressure to water that it will turn into metal and so they there is some theory some geophysic yeah so geophysicists kind of theorize that the inside of our bigger planets in our solar system, like Jupiter and and a couple others, that there could be water inside of their cores and the tremendous pressure uh, turns it into a solid metal core. How they figure that out, I don't know. So the question is then, how do you do an experiment like that without, um, without being on Jupiter, right? How do you... How do you put that much pressure on water in order to get it to do that? And also, there was another problem. They needed it to bond with something. Mm -hmm. So what the the scientists did was they decided on an alkali metal. An alkali metal is like sodium. Sodium sodium's an alkali metal when people think of metal they think of iron and steel but there's a lot of different types of metal out there name like lithium lithium floats in water it's not heavy and dense like lead and and steel and iron is it's a very very light metal but it is still in fact a metal so just kind of get that out of your head that i'm talking about like they made you know cold forged steel (laughs) you know with with water because it wasn't necessarily like that um But they used sodium and potassium, both of which are liquid in room temperature. They took them into a syringe and they injected them into a vacuum chamber. Then, oh, another problem with that is that alkali metals, when exposed to water, explode. So they had to figure out how to do this experiment, but incredibly quickly. So they were like, it's only going to be for a couple, a couple milliseconds before it it completely explodes on itself, but we're going to see what happens. So they took potassium and sodium. They injected them, little droplets, into a vacuum chamber with that amount of pressure that they needed, that 200 million PSI. And then they sprayed it with water vapor. And what happened was the water vapor created this like point 0.1 micrometer shell around the droplets of the alkali metal and it so it creates the shell and then the alkali metal bonds to the water when alkali metals make bonds they give up a negatively charged electron and it makes the metal more stable so the water encased the water droplet or the mist encased the drops of the potassium and the sodium They bonded together, and what it ended up doing was it created a little itty-bitty droplet of this gold-looking metal. It was like a yellowish gold color. I actually saw a picture of it. It was really cool. And they used a spectroscope, a spectroscopy, and they were able to see that, in fact, the water, before it exploded, did, in fact, turn into metal. Yeah,
1: I'm watching a video and of it right now. It's pretty cool.
0: Mr. Jungworth said it was very cool. It was like discovering a new element. The article didn't go into why they did it. I would say it's because it's science. It's Science is all about asking questions and doing experiments and trying to figure out if you're right. So if they can facilitate this sort of an experiment, I mean, it's pretty cool. They literally took a drop of water and they turned it into a metal and using even using a little bit of metal in itself to facilitate that you'd think okay so now it's just wet metal but the water itself bonded with the alkali metals and turned into metal itself which is something that doesn't make a lot of sense but it was a very quick reaction and it i mean it totally worked out so i i saw this and i was looking into it and i was just like this is weird. I like it. You know? <laughs> this is really, really weird. I really like it. So that's all I have for that one. Um, the article didn't have much other than that, but I thought that it was super rad.
2: Forgive me if you did mention it. Did it turn it into a solid metal or was it like a liquid? Like,
1: no, uh... it was still liquid. So here it's called a, no- a metallic non-metal. Mm.
0: That's, the, like only way they, that's yeah. the only way they could describe it was a metallic non-metal. So basically, sodium, potassium, I imagine, and then they said it was liquid at room temperature, would be an awful lot like mercury. Hmm. But using their uh, spectroscopy, they're able to see uh, very close up the water uh, encasing, like creating that film over the droplet of metal and then it created that gold color, and then it uh it fused together and bonded, and it created like a here's the real question: would you drink it? Yes <laughs> just sodium and potassium dirty water's better than no water it's in your body no, it's pure water. I was gonna say it's it's like it's not dirty, pure water and potassium, but the other thing is is I don't know how big the the chemical reaction is and the explosion that happens when those uh, mm. those molecules bond together. So maybe it'd be like eating a pop rock. But yeah, I don't know. I thought that it was really cool. And then was really cool. moving forward, UFO news. So a couple of days later, July 30th in Canada, both a military and a civilian aircraft both saw a green UFO. Yes. Yeah. Um. The report came out on August 11th. It stated that a bright green flying object, that they saw a bright green flying object that flew into a cloud and then disappeared. The Canadian military jet was leaving Ontario, and it was going to Germany. And the civilian passenger plane, it was a KLM Royal Dutch Airlines plane, and it was traveling from Boston to Amsterdam. Basically, both of their flight paths were about the same, When they were intersected by this green UFO and there's flight data to show that the military aircraft climbed a thousand feet in altitude. They don't know exactly, or they didn't say on the report, whether it was because, uh, it was trying to avoid the UFO or it was because they were trying to get a closer look. But either way, this shows a flying in a straight path and then climbing suddenly to a thousand feet in elevation or a thousand feet higher, uh, while they were seeing this object. Stefan Watkins, Mm. a shipping and aviation researcher. He was talking about in the article, he said he would love to say it was an actual UFO, but he can't deny what a lot of people are thinking. And that was that the sighting, unfortunately, was during the, uh, perside meteor shower or Perseid meteor shower however Mm, you pronounce it so they can't really say that it was a ufo or as they call them now a uap and uh unidentified error phenomenon because it could have been a meteor it could have been just a meteor burning up maybe it was because of where where the sun was or maybe it was just that elevation in the atmosphere the way it was burning up and the colors it was given off, it could have just been a meteor. But he said in it, don't be a buzzkill. It was fun. So, <laughs> you know, so he he wants to kind of to dig into that too. The other thing that kind of is kind of sucky about the situation is that unlike the United States military, uh, the, Can- the Canadian, the- <laughs> <laughs> other than like the United States military, Canada's Department of National Defense doesn't keep track of all these incidents. So they have no idea how many there have been, what the frequency is, how often it happens. They just don't keep track of that stuff. So when our Pentagon was releasing that information. Bullshit. Yeah, well, that's what they say. So when our Pentagon was releasing that information, they're saying, you know, we don't keep track of that sort of stuff. Which I think is a little bit weird because you kind of want to know if there's another aircraft intersecting your airspace or or getting in your flight path, you know, it seems like some pretty important information. But there was um, the article, in the article, Mr. Watkins stated that although the Canadian military doesn't keep track of that sort of stuff, or the Canadian government doesn't keep track of that sort of stuff, uh, there are plenty of people that are Canada residents that do, and a gentleman actually provided 30,000, he provided a document with 30,000 reports of the Canadian military and their interactions with UFOs. So if yeah. a civilian's able to do that, I have to imagine that there's some black suits somewhere in the government that are doing that too and probably have a lot better of a document or documented uh, you know, occurrences. But I thought that that was interesting. I don't personally believe in aliens or UFOs to that extent, although I can't deny that people are seeing stuff or they're saying they're seeing stuff. So I still think that that's some sort of a ploy or some sort of a, you know, conspiracy around it or some sort of a distraction. I have very, very difficult time believing that there's uh more intelligent life out there and they're coming here and visiting us just to fly around and be like, well, here we are. And then take off again, you know, like we go visit the grand Canyon. So I don't know, but, and Agreed. it was interesting. It was interesting that it was both a military and a civilian passenger flight that both the pilots uh, in both of them reported seeing the exact same thing at the exact same time. Because if I can't necessarily don't believe everything the government tells me about this sort of stuff, I can more so lean on a civilian flight if they had the exact same you know situation happen to them. So, okay, it was something – but it was during a meteor shower. So, you know, I don't know. But interesting nonetheless.
1: Hmm. hmm. That is interesting.
0: I'm also with
1: you on the... I don't necessarily think aliens would come here and be all heidi about it. Let's be secret and talk to the secret man in charge. I don't know if I believe that, but...
2: I think that... Uh... I've, I've gone on record, you know, a lot saying that I really think that UFOs and alien beings and, you know, possibly even some cryptids are more or less probably interdimensional travelers. Or we're seeing uh, I love, love uh, what Mr. Mike from Hush Hush Society did or what he talked about when he was on uh, the episode with us on our first season. He talked about it possibly being like drones uh where you know just like us the when we make contact with something first we're not going to send an actual person we're going to send a drone uh out there and that could be what we're seeing in the skies we could be seeing drones from an an alien intelligence that could be a possibility that's well 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 within you know my spectrum of belief i guess you can call it um if it's if it's not an, if it's not interdimensional, if it's not us, I don't think that alien beings themselves like physical, cr- physical beings are coming here. I just don't think it's possible or even like responsible when it comes to um, resources and stuff. It's just really dumb to even attempt it for how far you have to go. Uh, but drones, I can definitely see, you know, maybe they're unmanned. Um, there's, he even talked a little bit about like gray aliens could possibly be drones. You know, I mean, we do drones right now in the shape of planes and helicopters Mm -hmm. and quadcopters and stuff, but I mean, how far are we away from creating a drone that stands like a man, you know, basically a robot, you know, where we control with a little joystick, like a PlayStation controller or something. And we go and have that drone go to the grocery store for us.
1: You want me to freak Um, you out? Yep. Do it. Okay. So DARPA has a program where they are uploading soldiers' consciousness to an actual—I um, forget the word they use—but like a a unit on the battlefield, like a drone unit that they're uploading a soldier's consciousness to, or attempting to. That's the goal for DARPA. Like an avatar. Mm, so they the basically put your consciousness in a in a
0: exosuit robot with mini guns or some crazy shit on it. You know, to kind of like a. Kind of like I don't know if if I'm doing a spoiler right now, but the uh, the new Godzilla versus King Kong movie where he puts his consciousness into Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You're fine. Everyone's seen that movie by now. <laughs> I just saw it for the first time uh, the other day. Um, but yeah, the other thing I well before we move on, the other thing I have a, a problem is is that even if it is a drone, right? Yeah, they have to go millions hundreds of millions billions of light years or interdimensionally to get here or yet or or they're they're already here
1: they're already here i'm from underground inner earth hollow earth
0: yet (laughs) they have to use lights to see all these dang reports of people seeing lights in the skies we have FLIR technology on our helicopters that are that are 40 years old They see in white hot, red hot, in gray, heat signatures. They don't need any lights to see. Yeah. But these incredibly advanced spaceships have big old massive floodlights on them that they use to navigate, or at least they have them, which makes zero sense. Almost like they want to be seen as a distraction. (laughs) I'm
2: reading this book right now by Stan Gordon. It's called The Silent Invasion, The Pennsylvania UFO Bigfoot Casebook. And a lot, of these are, a lot of these reports, like this whole book covers basically 1972, 1973, and 1974 in one county in Pennsylvania. And a lot of these reports of UFOs have red, blue, green, white lights blinking on them.
0: Sounds uh, like an aircraft. It sounds like an aircraft,
2: and th- that's exactly what, I'm, what I was going to say, is that uh, one particular case he was talking about, great book, by the way, anybody who wants to get it, it's very, very interesting. I'm about halfway through it right now, and I'm, I'm going to definitely read a lot more of it tonight before I go to bed. Um, but there was this one case where an aircraft mechanic reported a UFO where he said that the there were flashing lights on it, but they weren't flashing in an order that was common to any aircraft that he knows of. Now I just want to make this perfectly clear to anybody who's listening is that the military and civilian aircraft have these things called anti-collision lights, a slang term for them is smack lights. Mm -hmm. And there's one on the bottom, one on top of the aircraft and they blink, you know, they blink, 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 blink. And sometimes they do it in different rhythms. The military, at least the Navy, every aircraft in the Navy has a different rhythm to its smack light. The reason for that is, I mean, there's plenty of different ways to tell, but this is one of the reasons. One of the ways is that when uh, a flight officer or um, a flight deck officer, flight line officer, why am I drawing blank? FDO, right? Flight Mm -hmm. deck officer. is watching or like the air boss is watching on naval aircraft to see what aircraft is coming up and getting ready to land. One of the ways they can tell what that aircraft is, is by the, by the, uh, the frequency of the lights. Yeah. Yeah. So like, let's say like, and I'm just making this up. This is not true, but let's just say like an E2 goes blink, 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 Mm -hmm. blink. But an F14 goes blink, 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 and then an H-60 goes, blink, 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 right? So that is one way that they can do it. They also have carrier alignment lights, which are different color lights on the side of the aircraft that also tell the the flight deck officer what aircraft is
0: landing. The aircraft coming in, they can tell if it's an E-2 or an H-60 or an F-18 or an F-15 because of You know, they're crazy far away, but we need to know as the deck crew, before they even land, which aircraft is coming in to prepare them for landing, to get them in the right spot. So it's important that they all have their own different light patterns.
2: Right. And that's basically, you know, if if you're dealing with somebody, you know, this guy who put in this report about this UFO, and he's saying that he doesn't recognize the the blinking pattern, well, you got to think, you know, civilian aircraft probably don't need to know that i mean it's a 747 right right <laughs> that's pretty much i mean other than that or if it's a puddle hopper it's not like you're trying to fit all this stuff on the deck of a flight deck of uh, aircraft carrier right um so it's not that important i i, I don't know i can't speak for civilian aircraft i would assume that they just have one pattern and that would just generally mean civilian aircraft uh but i don't know Um, I don't even know if the the patterns are different for other uh, branches of the military. I have no idea. Um, But that's just, I was reading that one particular um, Mm -hmm. report, and I was like, ah, I don't know. That one, it really did sound like it was a helicopter. And, you know, I'm thinking like 1973. I'm like, oh, man, was the 60 around? I think it was, right? right? A 60, (laughs) a Huey, you know. (laughs) Yeah. It could could be anything. I mean, honestly. various Sikorsky
0: aircraft. Yeah.
2: Right, it probably could be, it definitely was most likely a helicopter.
0: Jeff, we have archaeological discoveries coming from Jeff. What you got for us, Jeff? Okie okay, dokie, guys. So, quote,
1: found this article, quote, a very important find made in tunnel below Mexican pyramid. Mm. Cue the epic tribal music. Temple of the Feathered Serpent and is located at the southern end of the Avenue of the Dead within what's known as the Citadel at Teotihuacan. Teotihuacan is known today as the site of many of the most architecturally significant Mesoamerican pyramids built in pre-Columbian Americas. At its height, Teotihuacan had an estimated population of 125,000 people, making it the sixth largest city in the world at the time. In the 1980s, more than a hundred, possibly sacrificial victims were found buried beneath the Temple of the Feathered Serpent. Recently, several bouquets of flowers have been found 59 feet below the temple, believing to have been offered to the god Quetzalcoatl, the god that was said to have given maize to humanity and responsible for the creation of mankind. Sergio Gomez, an archaeologist at the Mexico's National Institute of Anthropology and History, said, In total, there are four bouquets of flowers in very good condition. They're still tied with ropes, probably cotton. And this is a very important find because it speaks to the rituals that were carried out in this place has found more than a hundred thousand artifacts within the ancient city and specifically under these three pyramids that are still standing however the offering flowers are the first intact botanical materials ever to be found at the site after more than a hundred years of excavations it's estimated less than five percent of the site has been uncovered geez jeez. so what does that mean to you i I know you you're you're digging this, yeah, man, so like I'm a big believer that uh human civilization goes back much, much further than our history books would tell us, right, and I believe
0: mm-hmm.
1: like and I'm talking like advanced civilization, not just like the human species, but cities, language, mathematics, astronomy, science, all these things go back thousands of years further than what we were taught in school, right, so there's a lot there's a lot of things uh, that we'll get into later in the season that'll connect to Teotihuacan and Quetzalcoatl, and you know these megalithic structures in uh central america right so the fact that they've found you know sacrificial you know remains of of humans at these sites now they're finding uh pieces of uh what do they say? Botanical materials. Right. So now they're going to be able to figure out what kind of plants they were using in their rituals, whether they be psychedelic plants or medicinal plants or whatever. Right. Mm. So now they're starting to like kind of unlock the, uh, the rituals that went into them, you know, praying to what they thought was their creator God, Quetzalcoatl. So it's pretty good stuff. And this will get into like some Atlantis stuff and all kinds of other things down the road as well nice
0: dude i can't wait mm.
1: but yeah less than five percent uncovered in a hundred years only five percent of that place has been uncovered so jeez for all the youngins out there go to school get your archaeology degrees or whatever and <laughs> get out there and start digging <laughs> yeah
2: yeah get, them. get those
1: diggings get dig, digging <laughs> get the- uh so i I got another one here. Yep. <clears throat> so a partially mummified skeleton with white hair was found in Pom- in Pompeii. So mm-hmm. Pompeii was an ancient city located near what is now Naples in Italy, and it was buried under 13 to 20 feet of volcanic ash in the eruption of Mount Vesuvius in 79 AD best known for its Roman remains visible today, was built upon a substantial city dating from much earlier times. That's the key. The archaeological park of Pompeii tweeted Tuesday, quote, mummified remains along with the hair and bones of an individual buried in an ancient tomb have been found at the necropolis of Porto Sano at the east of ancient urban center of Pompeii. This is the latest discovery of Pompeii, which took place during an excavation campaign carried out at the Porto Sarno Necropolis area on the initiative of the Archaeological Park of Pompeii and the European University of Valencia. According to a marble slab found on the tomb, the identity of the man buried was Marcus Venerius Secundio and is dated back to the final decades of the city before it was destroyed. Additionally. The inscription found on the marble slab has his tomb, of his tomb, excuse me, makes reference uh, extraordinarily to performances at Pompeii that were conducted in Greek. Quote, it is the first clear evidence of performances at Pompeii in the Greek language, which had previously been hypothesized on the basis of indirect indicators, according to Gabriel Zutrigel. The skeleton was found with white hair, fabric fabric fragments, and part of an ear. Experts with the archaeological park of Pompeii called the remains one of the best preserved skeletons ever found in the ancient city. Wow. So, again, Pompeii built on a much older site. And people who've looked into Pompeii, that's where you can find, like, um, reliefs of people who are essentially... Mm Burned instantly you know life stopped instantaneously so there's a lot of like cool stuff that they dig out of pompeii you know that's well preserved and uh yeah first time that they were able to connect greek theater to pompeii and you know a lot of people believe that the ancient city that pompeii's built on is actually a much older greek uh city and even a city before that so again another possible connection to some atlantis things in the future are they just uncovering this stuff now? Is this like
2: the beginning of a of a new expedition?
1: Well, from what I understand, um, and I'm not an expert on Pompeii, but I think like in the early part of the 9 uh of, you know, the 1900s, they were doing excavations and they like really messed this the the site up, right? Like a lot of it got degraded and that kind of thing. So they really limited excavations to like specific areas and all that kind of stuff, and they just, you know, happened to come across this this find. it's also interesting that i had white hair now i don't know if that's just something that happens to a body in a tomb over time but you know the white haired giants is another thing that it could be It made me think of so who knows Hmm. Hmm.
0: interesting very interesting stuff that's very cool tell you i i didn't yeah you you mentioned it and it was reminding me of our uh yellowstone volcano because uh, we were kind of talking about that for a little bit that episode where we were talking about uh, people being encased in uh, ash and kind of like, you you can see like their outlines and stuff mm-hmm. and they have a whole bunch of them in museums and stuff from when the volcano erupted that it was so sudden and they were buried so quickly that were they were killed and then whatever position they were in when they died, their uh, bodies were encased in that position. Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting reliefs of that. Well, it's interesting that because that's all i think about with bodies coming from pompeii not the fact that it was in fact a very active city or area and civilization and the, the, there was people there and of course there was you know tombs there have to be right because people in those days buried everyone in tombs i mean shoot just uh just a little bit of ways in uh in israel everyone's getting buried in tombs you know the romans are burying people in tombs the greeks are burying people in tombs So it makes sense that they would find that sort of stuff, but I hadn't ever considered that there would be other things there besides just the ruins of where the volcano ripped through that area and destroyed everything. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting for sure. Jeez, yeah. Good job, Jeff. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, good job. And also he was holding a Nokia cell phone, proving once and for all that they are indestructible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, So... Civilization is a, it could very well be you know, older than we think. That's pretty cool. Well, everyone, this has been another episode of Infinite Rabbit Hole News. As always, uh, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash infinite rabbit hole or Instagram and Twitter at instant or infinite rabbit hole pod. And you can email us at infinite rabbit hole at gmail.com. Please hit us up. If you have a strange story, if you have a weird occurrence, we'd love to hear it we'd love to share it. we'd love to have you on please hit us up on any of those platforms you can find our YouTube channel and we have just been posting all of our uh, all of our episodes in a video format on YouTube. What's the plug for that?
2: Uh, YouTube search incident rabbit hole I think. Uh, Yeah, just, uh, I would just, you, yeah, you can,
0: (laughs) you can find (laughs) that by searching infinite rabbit hole on YouTube. It'll come right up to our page. You'll see our little infinite rabbit hole logo right there. Um, For those of
2: you that haven't had a chance yet to uh, leave us a rating and review, please take the time to stop by if you have an iPhone or if you don't, you could simply just go to podchaser.com and leave us a little five-star review with a nice little something something that says that we're an awesome podcast and that you love us and that more people should listen because what's really important to us is that we know that we're doing a good job and how do other people know that we're a good podcast well they know that because your comments and your ratings uh, right now I think we're at 15 15 ratings total we got like a 4.4 4 or something like that we're doing pretty good we have one one star from one butthole but that's okay we love him <laughs> too <laughs> um and we had two people that were nice enough to leave us uh, reviews, five star reviews, at, with some some very kind words. And I just want to say thank you to those people who took the time to do that for us. It it really does mean a lot. Uh, it, it not only does it tell us that we're doing a good job in your eyes and ears, but also lets everyone else know that hey, we're uh, we're a pretty decent podcast, and we like what we're doing, and we're pretty pretty decent at it. I think we're pretty good at it um so i you know just let everyone else know that you know infinite rabbit hole pretty good podcast um other than that uh jeff is now officially a co-host on the infinite rabbit hole and uh i cannot be more excited jeff has a lot of uh uh things that he that he's done over at the shadow band podcast that i i'm hoping that eventually he's going to be able to build up for the infinite rabbit hole uh and, man, I, I just think that this podcast is going to go absolutely nuts here in season four. And it's going to be a blast. Just don't give me access to the TikTok account. Nope, <laughs> you got it.
0: You're the only guy who has access to the TikTok what? account. Consider it banned. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I didn't want a TikTok account anyway. Perfect.
2: <laughs> um, but we have some, you know, I, I think this is going to be. The last episode, maybe not. We might do one more, but just in case it's not, we might have we have, might have some pretty interesting topics to come up. Uh, I mean, does anybody want to put out what we're going to be talking about? Oh, we have a four point eight uh, star rating, by the way. Sixteen ratings. Sorry, not a nice. four point four. I undershot ourselves. Uh, do we want to let them know any of the topics? Yeah, man. How about we all pick one? Give them a teaser. We all pick one. That's it. And we can't tell them when it's coming out or yeah, but we can each pick one topic that we're excited to talk about that we're going to do this, this season. We can't tell them when it's going to come out.
0: Well, I'm going to do the Fresno nightcrawler. Ooh, Something Jeremy's wanted me to do for a while. And well, I'm going to do it. (laughs) It's going to be the shortest episode in infinite rabbit hole history. Right.
1: Jeff, what are you excited to talk about, man? Uh, well, there's there's a few, to be honest with you. I'd have to say Georgia Guidestones.
2: Ooh, we are doing Georgia Guidestones. I'll tell you right now, and I, I think you guys are going to agree with me, and there's a reason why, but I am most excited for doing the Wendigo episode.
0: Mm, that scares mm. me. I wish I could get that guy on that whose dad saw one. That would be really cool. That'd be really cool. I'll reach out to you. But now I'm scared.
2: <laughs> we have a really awesome special guest for that episode, and uh, not only are we covering an amazing topic, but the guest that we have is super special. Oh yeah. And that's it. That's all I'm going to say. I can't say when it's going to come out, but that's what that's the episode I'm most excited for. Very cool. But all right. Well, like Jake said. That's been another episode of the Infinite Rabbit Hole podcast. Uh, We'll see you next time. Hopefully, maybe, possibly, the next time we see you will be for the season premiere of season four. See you next time on Infinite Rabbit Hole. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Infinite Rabbit Hole. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so at infiniterabbithole at gmail.com. Follow us at facebook.com forward slash rabbit hole. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash rh follow us on instagram at infinite underscore rabbit underscore hole we're always looking for someone that has a story to share so if you feel like you've experienced a strange encounter with something that you can't explain reach out to us let us know come on have a good time tell your story and if for some reason you don't want to show up on a podcast send us a letter in our email in a format that we can read to the fans and we'll be more than happy to read it to everybody well that's all for this episode We'll see you next time down the infinite rabbit hole.